Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He's the man of future dreams. Just standing there. Welcome to the No Relation NFL Podcast with Matt and Bill Williamson. Matt. How you doing as we get into really phase two and three of free agency? Yeah, it's a, it is a little bit of a lull. I mean, things happen so fast that um, it was almost like free agency was over in two days or so. You know, and now we're getting these trickling in signings and you know, teams that had some uh, money to spend that their guy went elsewhere. They're settling for other dudes to fill out their roster and find a role for them. A couple big names left, and you know, there's a couple shoes to drop, Romo and Peterson and these guys. Um, but overall, it's getting to the point now where you know, the scouts are at pro days, and soon they're going to have you know, kids coming in for, for visits, and you know, they've gone back to their boards and reshuffled their needs, and it's a little bit of a calm time. Yeah, and you know what? We talked about that a little bit last week. I think the difference this year is that there's more money on the table, and I think we'll be getting to June, and we'll see guys like, wow, X has $25 million. You know, this team has $30 million. And I think that's the difference is that, the, you know, the teams haven't spent the money, and the cap's only going to go up and up. And it's not a big deal to the fans, but it, over in the next few years, there's going to be some hand-wringing by some agents and players that, a lot of guys are going to get paid, but not everybody's going to get paid, and, and there's going to be cap room on the left on the table. And, again, I don't think that does anything to the fan, but that's what we're seeing right now happening. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I guess my immediate thought listening to you say that was, so are you know, the free agents a year from now, uh, do you think teams are going to start locking them up, you know, that – you know, invest that money in their own, you know, the big-name guys, you know, like Antonio Brown did. You know, I mean, some of these guys, they don't even know who they all are. But um, players that are whose contracts are expiring that they certainly don't want to leave, you know, you give them the big bump now, use some of that salary cap space so you don't deal with those headaches a year from now. Well, I, that's a good point because I think what we're going to see is agents starting to buy into that that's what teams have always wanted to do. Teams always want to spend their money on the guys that they identify, and they yeah. want to do it before free agency. And we've seen some guys do it, like the Marcus Cannons and the Schrader, you know, at right tackle. And they kind of got people kind of said, I can't believe those guys went to the deals before the market. But the flip side is that I saw a report yesterday that Benny Logan turned down a a, a long-term deal with the Eagles during the season, and he ended, ended up having to you know, sign a one-year deal with the Chiefs. So I think next year we'll see players be a little bit more open to getting it done early. Yeah, and you got to think, too, I mean, especially if you're, 
you know, Benny Logan. Benny Logan wasn't a first-round pick. He didn't come into the league with a lot of fanfare or a big contract. That if he can make a big chunk for the 2016 season, if he would have signed that deal and been, you know, very comfortably compensated for the next couple with a lot of security, you know, had he gotten injured or whatever, too, that, you know, you take that money early as opposed to you know, the big the big payday that could be looming that not everybody's getting. And you mentioned Logan and Dom Sherry Poe is an example of this. You know, Hankins, I think, is going to fall in that category, that some of these big defensive tackles are settling for one-year deals and they're going to try to get next year. Yeah, and, and, who, and who knows if, if it's going to work for them next year, you know? Right. I mean, it, yeah, it's uh... – it, it, it's really interesting. Um, be, be, before we go to back to free agency, let's talk a little bit about you know taking advantage of your experience in a draft room. Um, you know, Joe Mixon right now is a hot topic, and he's going to remain a hot topic until draft day, and then he's going to be a hot topic in the city that drafts him. How much do you think teams are really talking about the actual video of his? you know, of his issue where he struck the woman um, in the face a couple of years ago. I mean, are teams really going to get really down on this? Or are they just going to let the uh, the GMs and coaches and owners handle that? Well, I think there's two ways of looking at it. Is I think there's going to be quite a few teams where the owner says, don't even put him on the board. Pretend like he doesn't right. exist. You know, and right. maybe that's 20 of the teams. Who knows? But there is definitely going to be a percentage of of them that the owner takes the decision out of the decision maker's hands. You know, that it doesn't matter what what he's what he is as a player. Um, obviously, with all respect to that woman and the the cruel thing he did. I mean, I'm not condoning it by any stretch. But in a way, if your owner has said that it's okay to take this player. That's kind of under the bridge now. I mean, you know what happened. You're not analyzing the video. I mean, I think now you look at it as, okay, if we use a second-round pick on this really, really good running back, and he's really, really good, what sort of damage control will our media staff have to deal with? How will that affect their right. team? All the, the people buzzing around, you know, how, you know, all those things. And that is if, the, you know, the, you have him in for a visit and you're comfortable that – it was a one-time thing, or that's not who he is, or some organizations must flat out might not care and just want to hand him the ball. Um, so obviously it differs from team to team. Um, but I think you look at it now and say, if, assuming, I mean, you fall in one, one of two camps. Either your owner said yes or no, and I right. think most owners will say no. But he's going to get drafted, and I bet he gets drafted on the second day. Yeah, you know, it's interesting here because, you know, I do a lot of Raider work, and the Raiders had him in for a visit. Now, he's a Bay Area guy, so you can he doesn't count as you're one year 30, so you can take advantage of that. But they also reportedly talked to him after his pro day at Oklahoma. Now, here's the deal with Oakland, and, and, and you hit it, the owner. Mark Davis is on the record saying he has a zero tolerance for domestic violence. And, you know, we all know the Raiders' history of, the family of the Raiders and taking care of their own, and mm-hmm. that's the Davis deal. And one of their great all-time players, Fred Blodnikoff, the receiver, his daughter was a, a victim of domestic violence to the point where her boyfriend killed her. And Fred Blodnikoff has a foundation and a home where they, him and his wife take in battered women. 
and, and help try to, you know, get their lives together. And Mark Davis is a big part of that, and the Raiders have been real supportive, and Mark is on the record. And this kept Greg Hardy from coming to Oakland. So now they have Joe Mixon coming in. Mark can't draft him. And I, I, a lot of people on Twitter today and kind of saddens me pointed out, well, it's not domestic violence because he didn't know her. It is assault. Point being, he hammered a woman in the face with his fist. Whether he knows her or not, that falls under the umbrella. So Mark can't bring him in, right? I know you. Don't, we don't like talking non-football stuff, but the Raiders kind of pinned themselves on this one, didn't they? I guess. I mean, you asking me an interior of the Raiders organization question sounds like we should be flip-flopping roles here. But, I mean, certainly in history – his dad took some risks on character guys. Um, he did changed, more more of the kooky guys, but you know, but yeah, certainly. But yeah, yeah. it's just a, it's just a, it's an interesting thing, and and, and it comes and down back. to the owners. Yeah, I'm sitting here What's thinking that? from a football perspective. Yeah, you know, I'm sitting here thinking from a football perspective, like, wow, Joe Mixon behind that line. Uh, I mean, yeah, I know. that could be a lot of yards. I know. Yeah, and that's why and that's why these fans are trying to make. You know, well, it's it's not domestic violence. I people get so and, and yeah, fans crazy. not only not only do fans get swayed by it, but coaches and and GMs get swayed by it too. You get romanced by it, you know. And he it, it, he would be the perfect fit because he's probably not going to be a first round pick. So the Raiders could get defense in the first or second round, and then get a steal in the third round. But still, it's going to be. I'm just saying, and I know that's not a real big a part of our show, but if Mark Davis allows this he's going to really open himself up to some serious criticism in the Bay Area. Uh, I never heard that angle, but if the day after, you know, the day that Mixon is is inevitably drafted, if the owner or GM or head coach, whoever comes to the podium and says, that wasn't domestic violence, then I'm going to have a very hard time with that stance. You know, I mean, call it whatever you want. You know, I mean, it's wrong. I mean, there's... Uh, if someone comes to the stand, stand the podium and says, we've done extensive homework on this young man, we've sat down with him a great deal, we think these things are behind him, then great. I, I think everyone in the world deserves a second chance. But if you come to the podium right. and say, yeah, what he did wasn't domestic violence, well, I'm not, that, ain't, that ain't cool with me. Right, right. I've always said that if I won the lottery and won, owned a football team, I would I – would, Stay out of it. Easy for me to say now, but I think I would. The one thing I would get involved in as an owner would be character guys, because all my years as a reporter, I just seen ninety five percent of it not work out. You know, and when you say uh, guys, that, do you mean that even from a football perspective or both? Like, if you just looked at it, like my job is to win football games. Did you see it? Boy, this dude, from a character perspective, is bad for the locker room. He's he's hurting us in terms of being a winning organization. Or do you look at it as this is just a bad dude? We don't want him around. Yeah, more Even just like it, it, you know, guys that usually have a lot of problems don't turn around, and that's going to continue to be a what? Well, why create a distraction for yourself? I mean, I'll, I'll give you just a couple examples. Uh, Cecil Collins, way back in the day. Uh, trouble, yeah. trouble, trouble, nothing but trouble. Uh, when I was in Denver, Broncos drafted Maurice Correct. 
was a pain in the butt, didn't even last three months there, and then it got even more trouble. I mean, Alden Smith in Oakland, you know, has so many arrests and, and, and issues in San Francisco. The Raiders signed him because they needed defensive tackle, and they've gotten nine games out of him, you know. I mean, it usually doesn't change. No, I think those are good points. You know, when you brought up Alden Smith, though, I, I thought – well, the Niners used, what, the fifth or sixth pick in the draft on the guy five or six yep. years ago. They got a lot out of him on the field. I mean, it well, could have been much well, better. Actually, you know I mean? But they won a lot no, of games with him. He had no red flags coming out of college. Wow. He got, yeah, I didn't all his trouble started in the NFL. That, that was a fascinating one. What's interesting, you're going to like this story, is the, the year that I scouted with the Browns, I, I did. I went into a know, twenty or twenty-five colleges, something like that, and I just left Pitt. And we Pitt and WVU were a huge rival at the time, and so I knew people who knew people. Of, these are the right people to talk to at WVU. So I go walking into West Virginia, and Chris Henry and Pac-Man Jones are both coming out that year, and there were multiple people in the building that said I would stay away from Chris Henry. He's disruptive. He's super talented. You don't want him around. And there were multiple people in the building that said, Pac-Man's a little immature, but he could marry my daughter. I love him. You know, he's our, you know, we love this guy. You know, he has worked harder than anybody. Um, He's the most beloved player on the team. He's a great player. He'll do anything you ask. He'll run through a wall for his coaches. Um, But then you get to the league and you have money and changes. Right. Yeah, you just... uh... You, you don't know, but that that's going to give us a lot of fodder, I think, in, in the next five weeks. I just Mixon thing was just kind of hot in the Bay Area, so I wanted to talk to that. Um, let's get back to free agency, and but stay at that position. There's some a little movement going on. I know you're not a Murray guy at all, but no. he's Murray. Vikings made a bad move by picking him over Peterson. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think there must be some. First of all, I think it's interesting because just from a big-picture perspective, I could name 10 or 12 teams in the league that, in my opinion, need an every need the big back. You know, they need the old-school workhorse, Peterson, Lacey, Murray, Blunt type of guy. I mean, in, you know, Detroit and Tampa and New England, and there's many to me. In Philadelphia, I could go on and on and on, the Giants that have the kind of receiver, small guy, they need the pounder that's 230 pounds. But nobody wants these guys. You know, I mean, that whole group I just mentioned are all big and physical and have had success in this league, but none of them can catch the ball. That I think the league is showing us right now that they want Le'Veon Bell. They want David Johnson. I mean, they think that there's an influx of these guys that are, that are coming in that can play in the receiving game. And – the big guy from 1985, the Chuck Muncie, we don't want you anymore. We don't want Pete Johnson. You know, we want someone that can at least help in the passing game, even the Jordan Howard level. He caught 40 balls or whatever. That I just think the market for all those type of players is really minimal right now. You know, I, saw, I think it was uh, Jason Lockenford of CBS, about four or five days into free agency, said, we're learning that, if you can't help the pass game, they don't want you. It's it's every position yeah. that is dedicated to the pass game that is getting the attention. Yeah, and we're seeing it more on draft day every year. You know, so 
It's absolutely true. And I think it's a good thing. I think that's enjoyable TV for the average fan. Right, right. Um, what? Okay, how about this running back? Uh, Marshawn Lynch talked about and going to the Raiders and coming out of retirement. Do you like that potential fit? Um, yes. I mean, the Hall of Fame version of Lynch that we saw not too long ago on that team, I absolutely adore. I think that would be wonderful. And it's his hometown. But part of me thinks, I mean, it's been a while since this dude has played. I mean, what shape is he in? He's taken a beating through his career. I mean, is this going to be Willie Mays with the Mets? You know, Joe Namath with the Rams. You know, I don't want to remember that year in a goofy uniform that doesn't look right on him and he can't quite get on the field and isn't close to the player he once was. And I worry that could be the road it goes down. Yeah, here's, here's an interesting thing. He hasn't played in a year. So, say Adrian Peterson only played in three games last year, and he's 32. And we look at that, at least I do, as a negative. But some people say, okay, Marshawn Lynch is 31 and he hasn't played in a year, but he hasn't got – it's a positive because he hasn't gotten a pounding on his body. Is there a difference? Because – he didn't play because out of his voluntary, other than there was an injury, or is it the same thing? They still didn't play. See, at that age, I don't think it's a positive. I mean, obviously you have to be close to the situation, bring the dude in, see what he looks like, maybe work him out, you know what I mean? But, like, in the college level, if, boy, this is a super – if Leonard Fournette didn't play last year, you know, if Leonard Fournette played with a lot of injuries last year, his tape wasn't as good as it was two years ago. If by chance he would have been inactive basically for every game for LSU, I think you look at that as a positive. Like, boy, the last time we saw this dude, he was awesome. He was the best running back in the nation. Um, didn't take anywhere in terror. He's 21 years old or whatever. But when you're, when it's 10 years later and you already have all that wear and tear and you're in your declining years, I need to see something recently. You know, like Jamal Charles yeah. is a good example too. I mean, he's right in that mold, although he's not the big physical guy. What if he's not as fast? Or you know, I mean, I, I think there's a reason no one's jumping on these guys. Yeah, and, and a guy like him, I don't know why anybody. What's going to make anybody jump on him? Maybe after the draft, you know what I mean? What What's yeah. going to make the him Peterson attractive at this point? And, and like I said before, like when you analyze the league, I think almost every team that's in the running back market is more in the big physical pounder market than they are the Jamal Charles type. Like, I don't see a fit anywhere. Yeah, yeah I know. It's, it, it's interesting. Um, Mike Lombardi, former NFL front office type, kind, kind of speculated that perhaps the Seahawks could trade Richard Sherman. A, would you do it if you're Seattle? And B, how value, how much... What's the value of him? How much interest do you think there would be? Great player. I mean, so things I'm going to say from this point on might not sound like I think he's a great player, but I think he's a great player. That that defense helps him a lot. What's that? Present tense, great player. Great player. And maybe he's reached his peak, you know, I mean, but I also think there's some Namdi Asimov there, you know, a guy you're familiar with that, He's not asked to do a lot. You know, what he, and what he does, he does very, very well. 
But if he goes somewhere and is asked to be Sherman Island, I think he'll become very above average, you know, not great anymore. I mean, it, to me, in that scheme, it's pretty simplistic. By far the most important thing is having Earl Thomas. And after that is having the pass rush and have a dominant front seven. And if you've noticed, I mean, the corner spot opposite Sherman in the Legion of Boom has been a revolving door, and they've done very well there. You know, that, that, that hasn't hurt them. Having Sherman's great, and they do have him shadow more often, but it's not like he's a press man cover, cover guy. Um, there's so many teams, you know, Jacksonville and Atlanta, that are, uh, because Seattle's scheme has been so successful, these coordinators and coaches are taking it elsewhere. Um, so there, I think there would be a market. And I guess the thought is, well, what does it do for Seattle? I mean, if you if you trade Sherman for, I don't know, I mean, an early second, or I don't know that anyone gives up a first. I'm just totally guessing off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. The key, I guess, is using that money elsewhere. But what are you going to use it now? I mean, that ship sailed. I mean, unless you're going to trade for right. Thomas or something. Um, right. You know, are you that cash strapped that you need to sign your own right now? I mean, if it was going to happen, and I like Lombardi a lot. I think he's one of the best in the business. It seems like it should have happened a month ago when there was, you know, people to spend money on. Right. I mean, Seattle's a contender. The window to win a championship again exactly. is open now. Does it make sense trading him? I, I get that. Right. I mean, you're in it to win it. You're a really good defense. I just don't know why. what it benefits Seattle a great deal at this point. Right. Right. Um what about the – I don't think we talked about Malcolm Butler and the Saints last week. I think that happened maybe a little later. From a New England perspective, is it the same thing? I mean, just keep him and try to win again. I mean, we've seen them trade Chandler Jones and Jamie Collins and win a, a Super Bowl. And after they traded Collins, we talked about it. Man, that doesn't make much sense because it hurts their chances of winning the Super Bowl, but they went and won anyway. I mean – What's your thoughts here on that? I have a lot of thoughts on it. Is you know, if they kept them, I think it's the best secondary in the league. You know, it's right there with Denver or whomever. You know, now that you have Gilmore, I mean, for those that don't know, they they play a lot of man coverage and they like a variety of different types of cover men and cover men in their secondary. And Butler often drew the number one receiver, but only if it's a smaller dude. You know, if it's Mike Evans or Julio or, you know, a big physical Des Bryant type, Belichick didn't match Butler on him. You know, he would match like a, a row and give him a lot of help, you know, where Butler would then go on the number two. But if they play the Steelers or the Giants, he follows Odell or Brown, you know, one of those type of guys. So he's very, very capable. He's a great player who hasn't made any money yet and rightfully so once paid in a big way. And we know that's not really what New England likes to do. I mean, they brought back Hightower pretty good money, and they signed Gilmore to big money. But they're not ones to have a real top-heavy cap structure. And I'm sure they think he's a really good player, but I, I bet they don't think he's a great player. I think they probably prefer Gilmore. I think the money's told us that, and their actions have told us that. Certainly could help the Saints. There's no question about that. And what's interesting to me is... Despite trading more draft picks than probably any team in the league, they also use more draft picks than most teams, too. They always end up with nine or ten guys they bring in because they trade down and you know, accumulate future picks. 
And right now they're really short from all these trades they've made, you know, Coney Ely and people like that. So I think that they would like to trade Butler and or Garoppolo, who, you know, that sort of seems to have died, but I don't believe that, for more picks, and it's an exceptional corner class. So mm-hmm. I, I think both teams look at that that way, like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in Butler or I'm interested in trading him, but I can draft a guy, too, that's awfully good. I think, and we may talk about this last week, I think that the Patriots may undervalue Butler a little bit because he was their own undrafted free agent, and they probably look at him as we made this guy, whether it's right or wrong. And, you know, so I think they feel like, hey, if we can, if we can get, turn him into a first-round pick, let's do it. Yeah, before we have to pay him immense amount of money. Right. He's going to get right. that. Right. I think I think the Saints may value him more than the Patriots do. Yes, um, I really thought he was going to trade it for Brandon Cooks. So I guess the question is, you know, you gave up thirty-two for Cooks. Are are the Patriots trying to weasel the Saints' first-round pick for Butler, or would they take thirty-two back for him? Yeah, I mean, they could make an agreement, but probably the, I'm sure they're waiting for it to be offered, make it the, the 11th pick, but I, don't, I bet it would just be getting 32 back. Yeah, that's kind of how I'm guessing it ends in the you know, how it all shapes up in the yeah. end. I mean, if you're the Saints, that's a lot to give up for a guy you're going to have to pay huge money. Although, I mean, if you're uh, also, I mean, that that's also an organization that lives for today more than most organizations do, too, traditionally, and... How long is Peyton and Breeze going to be there? And they've maxed out their credit cards more than most teams in the recent years, too. Do you like that fit for the Saints? <laughs> yes, but to be honest, they've switched schemes on defense so much, I don't have a really firm grasp of what they're trying to do. You know, and maybe I've just ignored it. Or you know, Are they going to be a man-heavy cover team? And... If so, yes, you know, because then, you know, Delvin Bro's your number two, that's pretty good, you know, and yeah. you still have that pick to get another pass rusher. I like Fairley and Rankins and Jordan, and, you know, I think that defense is ship, you know, shaping up slowly on paper that if you could, you know, if he, had, if he becomes your number one, that secondary is pretty good all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah. Hey, let's talk a little bit about it. If you're going to play a lot of man coverage. That's what I just don't know. Okay. Well, maybe we talk more about that next week if this thing gets done. Well, I'll talk a little bit about a team that you've talked a lot about, quarterback situation, that's the Giants, and you, you thought that Eli Manning perhaps could be done. Do you like the Geno Smith fit as a backup, of course? I mean, does that make you feel any better, or is it just a waste of time? Or No, I mean, he's a guy that I think has gotten a slight short end of the stick, you know, that – I think people were quick to just wash him away that this guy can't help any team, you know, and I think it's a good situation. Um, go sit behind Eli, who rarely misses time. Um, I, I, I found out a stat the other day. I mean, they've only drafted Ryan to see. I mean, they've used zero draft picks basically on quarterbacks with the exception of Ryan Nass and Nassib over the last, like, ten years or so. And mm-hmm. I think that's coming back to haunt them. Um, I think this is a decent insurance plan 
if Eli were to get hurt, I mean, it would be – could you even – I mean, how bad would Eli have to play to get benched for Geno Smith? I mean, right. unbelievably bad. And I don't know that he'll get to that point. So I look at Smith as more injury insurance than, you know, a long-term plan for sure. But I also think a change of scenery could do him good too. You know, just could it help his career. Right, right. So you're okay with this marriage? Yes. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Cool. You know, we talk about the running backs being a slow market. There's a lot of quarterbacks. Not I wouldn't say good quarterbacks, but there's a lot of quarterbacks that are out there that don't have a job. Cutler, Kaepernick, RG3. I mean, there's there's others. A pitch, uh, Fitzpatrick. A lot, yeah. Come yeah, on. I mean. Are these guys ever going to get jobs? Are some of these guys just going to go away, or what's the deal? This is my guess, and a week from now, everyone might laugh at me and say, boy, were you off. I kind of feel like Romo's blocking everything up, that eventually Romo's going to end up in Denver or Houston. And if he ends up in Denver, I don't think Houston can sit on their hands. I mean, to me, the next guy in line is Cutler. And I know he's not an O'Brien-type quarterback, but how well is the O'Brien-type quarterbacks worked? You know, the Hoyers and Chaubs. I just wrote an article for this for FanRag that he's – Cutler's better than people think. And I think you and I have had this conversation several times. I mean, he's the 20th best quarterback in the the league. And what if if the Texans had him last year? I mean, maybe they'd win in New England, or maybe they had a bye. You know, I mean – He's way better than what they've been playing with. You get J.J. Watt back. So if I'm the Texans, I want Romo. If I don't get him, I'm calling Cutler immediately. And maybe Cutler knows that. And maybe that's why he didn't go to the Jets and the Jets settled for McCown. Um, I don't think Denver would call Cutler back, though. You'd know that better than I would. I mean, if they don't get Romo, I think they stick with who they have. Yeah, they're cool with what they got, yeah. Right. You know, so those two dominoes have to fall for me before anyone would start thinking about Fitzpatrick or any of those type of dudes. But RG3 and Kaepernick, I know there's been a lot of talk about Kaepernick lately. I just don't know where they fit. I mean, they play the position so unorthodox. They don't play within the structure of the offense. They're not accurate. They haven't shown any improvement. I mean, besides Buffalo – who wants to bring in that type of backup that does much different things than their starter does? It's kind of like Charles. Like, where's the fit? Right. Yeah, it's, I mean, you know, four years ago we talked about – well, four years ago we'd say, well, there's no way RG3 and Kaepernick are ever going to be at free agents because they're going to be locked up for the teams for years and years and years. And now they came and get a, a look. And that you can't even get a fit. So that just shows you that, you know, what a gimmick that whole read option thing was. And there's no shortcut in the position. you got to be a good pocket passer. Yeah, there's no way around it. You know, Greg Cosell says it all the time, that eventually in this league it's third and eight and they're blitzing you. And then you got to, yeah. you know, and you got to be able to operate within the structure of the, the offense and deliver the ball where it needs to be. And Kaepernick, both those guys, I mean, I say this all the time. Like, think if you're a coaching staff, if you're uh, whoever, Mike McCarthy and or Sean Payton, and you spend a hundred hours in the, the the office that week preparing for the Broncos, that and you're in the booth or you make the play call that, man, I think we're going to get cover two here. 
we're going to call this play. You get the coverage you expected. Kaepernick or Griffin gets the snap, doesn't read it properly, doesn't go to the right plot, it doesn't go to the right receiver to beat the coverage, and throws it away. And those guys do that all the time. That coaches can't get excited. I mean, they don't want to put those guys on the field. That if I'm going to spend all this time designing route combinations to beat this defense. And either you don't recognize it or choose not to throw the ball where it should go, I have no use for you. Right. I guess this may be a silly question. I don't know if I could. But when those guys were having success, what were your what was your thoughts? Like this is going to catch up to these guys, or is this is the wave of the future, or these guys could play anyway? I mean, you My know, in, in any then, especially with Shanahan and Washington, were. This is brilliant. You know, this is brilliant to get a rookie or a very young quarterback involved early in his career until he learns the other things. You know, that use these gimmicks to move the football and get first downs and cause problems. But even that year where those guys, RG3's rookie year, I said it over and over. I mean, the year before that, if you go back and look, and I don't know what year that is, but the year before RG3 burst on the scene, the only guys doing anything read option oriented in the league were Cam Newton and Tim Tebow. And, you know, it worked for them. And so, but the defensive coordinators, I don't think, called all their college buddies and said, I don't think they saw this wave coming, you know, that, right. boy, we better get our defenses prepared for read option because it's going to hit us in the face next year. Because there was only two teams right. doing it. And then right. it hit, and I think that all those guys spent the entire offseason – going to colleges, watching tape to figure out how to how to beat it. And they did. Right. And it really had no chance because, again, there's, the NFL is going to figure you out. And unless you can't do it the traditional way at quarterback, you, you're, it's only going to be a, a, a gimmick and a, a short-lived trend, right? Right. And, and I do think that read option – you know, like I always said the Wildcats dumb. You know, like if you're going to stop snap the ball to Ronnie Brown – I'm going to put 10 dudes in the box and make him throw passes. You know, so, yeah, that worked for a year, and you could pick up four yards or six yards on first and ten. But it went away quickly, too. Like, that's not anything that we can hang our hat on. But read right. often, I think, is more so. You know, like, it, it, I think it has a, a place in the sport, even at the NFL level. Um, but, again, it has to be, you know, 3% of your offense, not 50. Right. Right. Interesting. I want to end the show on a signing of a guy with a big name. You know, we talked about the Saints and Mante Teow. Is could he be Did that happen? An impact what's that? Did that happen? I didn't see that. Yeah, that yeah, he signed with the Saints today. I like that. Could that be is he anything more than just a good college player? Yes, but I thought he was overrated as a player catfish and all that stuff aside, coming out of Notre Dame. Um, But I also thought he, you know, he improved in his time in San Diego. I just really liked Perryman. I liked Brown. I liked the other guys they had there better. But I thought that he progressively got a little better, especially against the pass. He's another player, kind of like a Geno Smith, that came in the league with a lot of fanfare and didn't live up to it. But I think their second stop could be better than their first. For where the Saints are at that position, I think that's a good move. Yeah, I imagine they didn't invest a lot in them. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, when he came into the league, and this is before the off-field deal, people were saying, hey, the Chiefs should draft him at number one, and they said, well, at least he's a top-five pick, and then, then he you know, didn't play very well at the end of the season, and he had the deal, and he went in the second round. And San Diego, he had some injuries, but I thought he was playing pretty decently the last couple of years, but then free agency starts, and he really had no market at all. I don't know if it was because of the position he plays or what. Well, he's coming off an injury, too, and I don't know exactly yeah. what that injury was. I'm not sure if that had something to do with it. Um, I mean, like I said, I think he's a little bit – if he would have played at Illinois or Indiana or, you know, a, a moderate school, not Notre Dame where everyone knew his name, I don't think he would have been as thought of by the public. And I think deep down, you know, the the average fan liked Payal as a player more than the average scout did. Okay. Interesting. But he can't help to say it's a little bit. I think. You know, I mean, yeah. if he can – he wasn't really an every-down guy, but he was starting to trend that way. I thought he was getting better against the pass. And if that is the trend, then great. And if not, it's not like their linebackers are great anyway. I mean, he doesn't have much to beat out there for playing time. But it certainly right. wouldn't preclude me from drafting Reuben Foster if I were them or, you know, a star. Right, right. Well, cool. Well, hey, great show, Matt. We we played a little draft stuff. We talked to Frienzi. I think that's going to be the mixture here, leaning towards draft heavy in the next two or three weeks. But uh, still some answers, as you said, shoes to drop in Frienzi, and we'll hit that next Tuesday. So I appreciate everybody listening to No Relation NFL Podcast with Matt and Bill Williams. And, Matt, talk to you next week. Absolutely, bud. We'll see you. Cool. Hey, thanks, man. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.